You're listening to the Traffic and Leads Podcast, where we examine what is and isn't working in online marketing. Now, please welcome your host, online marketing expert, One Click Lindsay. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Traffic and Leads Podcast. I am your host, One Click Lindsay. Today, I will be interviewing Mr. Brian Weinert with Incipient Corp. Over at Incipient Corp, they create custom software, custom apps. Now, at trafficandleads.com, we have a whole segment of our company dedicated to creating custom software like Brian and his company does. And this interview is so awesome because Brian and I discuss how difficult it can sometimes be to create a piece of custom software. So if you're in the business of looking for uh, creating that really cool piece of custom software or a web-based application, you have to listen to this interview because we talk about common pitfalls, common misconceptions, things that can kind of mess you up uh, while you're searching for that right developer or maybe you're halfway through a development project and things just aren't going your way. So make sure you listen to this episode. I think you guys will really like it. We talk a lot about A-B testing, custom development, just everything that goes into custom creation of an online app. So I think you guys will totally dig it. Now, what portion of the click technique does this interview fall in? Well, it definitely falls under curiosity because if you don't have a product that makes people curious, no one will come to your website. There's no need to even email market. So for those of you who don't know what the click technique is, make sure you check us out at theclicktechnique.com. It's our proven way here at trafficandleads.com that we generate an endless stream of online traffic and leads for our clients. And I give you all the hints to build a strong online foundation. So this one definitely falls under curiosity. You've got to make people curious with a product that people actually want. Then you can get on to the business of online marketing. So make sure you join us in our private Facebook group. I always like to do a quick question that people are asking us out there in the private Facebook group, which you can join if you go to theclicktechnique.com. And the question was, Lindsay, one click, do I really need a blog? Great question. And my answer is an unequivocal yes. Why is that? Because to rank in search engines, to get any attention in social media marketing, to do anything at all, you have to blog. You have to have unique content that people will come and the search engines will come and lead them to your website. And whether you're driving traffic to that blog via social media or just the search engines, you've got to have content. All of this online marketing stuff and digital marketing, not uh, all of it is all built upon content. So yes, you have to blog. I don't care what you are. I don't care if you're a lawyer or a plumber or a photographer, whatever it may be, you do have to blog. I'm sorry to break it to you, but that was one question that was asked out in the private Facebook group, which you can gain access to at theclicktechnique.com. And one more quick commercial before we dive into this week's interview. If you're looking for traffic and leads for your business, if you're looking for SEO, PPC, Facebook ads, or you're just completely overwhelmed in all of the options and want us to create a custom package just for you that at the end of six months, you will be on your way and have a strong foundation to your online marketing and be generating an endless stream of traffic and leads for your small business, make sure you reach out to us at trafficandleads.com or of course I am one click Lindsay. So let's dive into this interview with Brian.
Hey, Brian, welcome to the Traffic and Leads podcast. Hey, Lindsay, thanks so much for having me. Sure. So tell me, tell me and the audience what you do over there at Incipient Corp. Yeah, no, I would love to. Um, so I primarily head up our services side and we work with all of our clients to through the product development life cycle, uh, typically starting right in the beginning with conceptualization and helping them properly define a product and validate their assumptions before going to market so that we can have an ex- a successful execution and grow the product over time. That sounds good. And when you say product, are we talking about SaaS products, which is software as I'm just going to explain it for the audience. Software as a service, meaning everyone, the people pay you 50 bucks a month and they basically have access to this piece of cloud software. Or do you do mobile apps or do you do web apps? What do you do? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So we do full custom software development. So based on our clients' needs, we've developed SaaS applications. We've developed closed systems primarily on the enterprise B2B side for internal communication or centralizing of data You know, of, of a warehouse. What are all the sensors doing? How can we optimize workflows and things like that? As well as working with startups on you know disruptive ways to affect the you know, physical fitness industry over to, you know, delivery logistics. So we have a pretty fun time over here and a, and a good diversity of clients and products. Okay, cool. So, and, uh, and you do do mobile apps as well. So they're all yep, web-based apps or mobile apps. Okay. Very cool. Yep. Um, that sounds awesome. What, uh, just curious, what language do you primarily develop your web apps in? Yeah. So for on the website, uh, we do a lot of B2B uh, and a lot of the people we work with are in finance and supply chain. So typically they're built on .NET. um, And as a front end, we we typically lean towards Angular. Okay. Very cool. So just for those that don't have never like delved into uh, developing a product like a web app or an application or something, is it fair to say that um, it can be a very expensive and lengthy process. And so you really want to get it right up front. Is that fair to say? Yes, it's a, it's a very fair statement. Yeah. Um, cause, cause with the changing of requirements and, and different things and just like custom coding overall can be an extremely costly endeavor. And so what Brian and I are going to talk about today is Brian has ways of knowing before you actually get all the way into creating a product and testing it and doing all of that to see if it's even a viable option. So, so someone comes to you with an idea, Brian, uh, where do you take it from there? Yeah, we typically like to, you know, when everyone comes and they ask, what is the process, right? The way that we help them align the segments of the process is what we like to call internally, you know, dimensional design, uh, using the analogy of a house, right? So Lindsay, you come to me with, you know, a great new product idea. You're not sure if, is it out there? Is it even feasible? What's the market size? And if all of that's good and we check all those boxes, what's my next step? Well, Well, let me stop you there. So let's just like, let's just, let's pick an example to lead us through this interview. So like, let's say I come to you, Brian, and I have an amazing new SaaS idea for weight loss and people will pay me $50 and then they have access to this amazing weight loss software that will give them tips on how to lose weight and private coaching and also like do a whole bunch of other really cool things that people would want access to. So what do you do? You dive in and see what the competition is. Do you run Facebook ads? What do you do? How do you know if like, it's even competitive or if people will want it? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So from our side, a lot of the product vetting is based on, you know, market size and market segments, as well as vetting out the feasibility of the technology. Um, So a lot of our first steps are, you know, 
really helping the person identify what is the core problem that you're mm-hmm. solving, right? A lot of people come up with a great idea, similar, you know, how you just did, right? Let's build a, a fitness platform. We can have recipes mm-hmm. to work mm-hmm. out, to personal trainers, right? But what is your, your core, right? What is going to differentiate you from everyone else out there, like Weight Watchers or anyone else, right? Are you trying to be a curator of all this content or do you have a niche, right? And a core problem that you're solving. So typically that's the thing that a lot of people struggle with, with a product and, and where a lot of time and, you know, either financial or time resources are lost because they're heading in too many directions at once. So our biggest thing is identifying your core. What's your differentiator? And is that problem being solved by anyone else? And if it is, how are they solving it? And what approach are you going to take that you feel is different and will be more beneficial? Okay. And so as far as figuring that out, do you have any special tools you use or do you just send your team out to do some massive amount of Google searching? Yeah. So on the, on the market research side, a lot of people that we work with, right, are more on the B2B side or having a startup idea or new venture that they would categorize as disruptive, meaning that there's not a lot to benchmark off of, right? So we need to draw some assumptions based on what other people are doing. Um, so for example, in, in your case, right, we would want to really identify what are the big brands doing? Right. When people are always trying to build a big product like that, it's typically a good question to ask, why has no one else done it so far? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, like bodybuilding.com, right? They've pretty much curated the idea that we're talking about right now, right? I can build, I can sign up for body space, enter in all my measurements, get workouts, track my workouts, get supplement suggestions, yeah. right? Meal plans, all those things, right? So if you had this idea, right, my biggest question to you would be, What's going to be your differentiator, right? And maybe you're. Uh, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to answer that. I'm going to do it just for the paleo world. It's going to be specific for those who are madly in love with paleo. There you go. Perfect. So now we need to dig in. Now we've segmented ourselves, right? So now we have the benefit of being able to benchmark off of an existing model and see where they've been successful, right? And see what their track record has been and how did they develop their product? Did they start with Uh recipes and supplements or did they start with workout routines? Right. Right. Of course, we'll also have to see the competitors on the paleo side, but let's leave that out for now and say no one's there so we can only (laughs) deal with some variables. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So once we go that path, right, it's always good to see other people's roadmaps. uh, As you'll see a lot of- How do you know? How do you know what bodybuilding- com did yeah it's a great question so on um, there's different sites where you can track you know different domain names that they purchase and how they've scaled their site and on the mobile side a really great and easy way to check is to review the history of people's products so if you simply go to the app store you can see the history of all their releases and each time a company puts out a release they put notes with either what they're fixing new features that they're putting right or whatever adjustments that they're making where they feel like they're bringing that value to the community. So Clever. most often when you look into that history, right, you might see that bodybuilding.com started with a mobile app for recipes, right? Maybe over their first 10 updates, everything was recipe, recipe, recipe updates, right? Maybe they expanded from, you know, morning routines to um, lunch specials to maybe a full week's planning, right? And what was that growth on the product, which you can typically see, you know, the reviews and the users associated with those times. Um, Then at other times, you'll see maybe a little interjection there where they started a workout thing, right? Did two updates on a workout, but then went right back to recipes, right? Or morning routines, which is either going to tell you one of two things, right? Based on an assumption. Um, The workouts weren't working for them, 
or they built the tech really well right away and there was no modifications that needed to be made. Um, so most often you can dig into those releases and of course do more market research around their website, Google Trends and things at that same time period to try to drill in and validate more of your assumptions. I love it. Okay. That's really useful information. Okay. So once you kind of figure that out, um, then, so then do I know it's a, then how do I know that it's going to, that it's going to work, that I should build it? Yeah. So of course we never know for sure. Right. But our goal is to be <laughs> as confident on, as possible. Um, so obviously, you know, that process is pretty thorough and there's a lot of other things that can be gone into. A lot of the people that we work with will typically already be experts in their space. For example, you know, we're working with someone that owns a real estate company, has been in the space doing large residential and commercial real estate for a while, and is now seeking to develop a platform for connectivity between tenants, property management companies, and landlords, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so he brings a lot of that market-driven data because of the way that his company's grown and the challenges that he's seeing. Right. So now it's our job to identify what are your business goals and how can we properly align the technology so that when you implement it, right, technology is meant to be operational. It's not supposed to change your whole business, right? It's supposed to improve your existing business model. And a lot of people miss that alignment. And that's where a lot of time and money gets lost with rework because we assume that when you want to drive, you know, the convenience of payment, right, that's a very broad business goal. On the technology side, how can we do that, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously, we can enable multiple payment methods, ACH, credit, um, you know, maybe cash check mailed in and our system can verify that the checks come and check off that all tenants have paid, right? What are the best ways to do this and where does it bring value to the consumer? Um, and another element, right? How can we maybe provide the consumer with notifications, right? To help them remember when rents due and then maybe build a a negative, you know, self thing within the product where once they're three days late, right, we have notifications coming and no one likes to be reminded when they're not meeting their expectations. Um, so that's really how we look to segment out what's a business goal that's already been validated through some research. And on the technology side, how can we research how other companies are either managing, you know, the consumer behavior of that function to drive conversion? Um, and how can we make sure that our system does the same? I like it. Okay. That sounds, that sounds really good. So do you, so do you guys care at all? Like how they are going to get customers on the platform or do you kind of leave it to them? No, we, we definitely care. So our approach of, of that is ensuring that we're validating their personas that we're assuming, right? Much like in marketing, when we develop our marketing personas of who we think we can target, why, what communities we think they live in on and on what platforms and the way that they communicate. On our side, we do the same with product. So based on who we believe to be the users of the platform, we would build out those personas and through the early stages of design, we like to cultivate a beta group, it's called, similar to, you know, a research and development group, right, where we have 15 to 30 of possible future users. And as we begin to produce the existing workflows of the product or core features, right, we leverage that community to do A-B testing of certain flows, findability of features and usability of features. Where do you, find, where do you yeah. find those 30 people and do you pay them? Yeah. So it's, 
it's a hit or a miss on the startup side. You know, typically a lot of people are really open to being a part of a beta group. Friends and family are good, but you typically like to get outside of that, you know, first tier of connections because they'll be a little bit biased towards your product and get more out to the third. Um, so with our clients, you know, we have a lot of groups that they're in, such as meetup groups, a great sources to, you know, hit up one of the co-working spaces. And if you know you have a startup idea, go pitch that idea and then ask for beta users at the end or have a very simple landing page in which people can subscribe to be a beta user. So how are they, I guess, here's my next question. How are they testing anything if you, before a whole bunch of money is invested in actually writing the code for the product for them to actually have something to test? Are you giving them screenshots or are you just asking them like a series of questions? How do you get from this, this beta testing group information? Yep. So we utilize a tool called Envision. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but some others might be familiar with Envision or Marvel. So these are prototyping tools. So rather than giving static designs, right, we need to ensure that we have the balance of UX and UI, which is user interface, right, making sure we have all the components to engage with and the user experience, making sure that they can visualize what does it look like to sign up, Mm -hmm. right? What is that process and how do we define a quote unquote successful sign up? Right. So what we do is we look to build out the total prototype and utilizing Envision, we can define A-B tests. So if I know you're a beta customer, I can provide an email that will, when you open it, it will show you what you're looking to test. It may say, complete the sign-up process. Right. In a recent product, we were looking to optimize the sign-up process so someone could sign up, add a vehicle, and complete a function in the product um, that was needed for repair services all in under five minutes. Mm-hmm. When we first started with that workflow and A-B testing, we were more towards the six and a half to sometimes nine minutes with different users. So we leverage those users to get feedback. And through Envision, when you send a prototype and it opens, we're able to capture a video recording of the person's face and where their eye movement is, as well as a heat map of how they engage with the product. So you can see if you're trying to onboard them a certain way and it took them 30 seconds to find a certain prompt to get to the next page, or they didn't understand the verbiage that was used for a specific field when trying to collect a driver's license or something like that, right? How can we improve that process to get our conversion time down? Right, and onboard people faster. That makes sense. So just lots and lots of testing. Wow. Yes. It's a very iterative cycle. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So after you build this beautiful piece of software and your beta group is madly in love with it, then it goes to market. And do you guys assist with that? Yeah. So we help manage the entire product life cycle. So from product strategy to development and then implementing into the market, we do the same. Typically, what's great with beta users if you, as you cultivated a group or a very small community of initial users that see value in the product and that they had a say in helping it come to fruition. Right. Um, so by leveraging that initial group, we look to launch and do initial marketing campaigns, you know, utilizing their word of mouth and referral connections to drive the product. Of course, based on the product, whether it being a public product or a closed product, that's a little bit different. Um, but we help roll out the product and support them through implementation and continue to interact with that community through setting things up like a feedback blog. Right. So that anyone that may be a new user to the app, we want to make sure. Right? And the biggest thing that a lot of people make a mistake with is they release a product. They put together a couple cool looking ads. Right. That set the expectation that this is a fully polished product. Mm-hmm. 
And the negative thing about that is now everyone that opens it, right? The main things that everyone puts a polished product perspective with is Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, all the very large products, Mm -hmm. right? That they're used to dealing with frequently. So now when your product is slightly less adequate, of course, nothing's going to match that par, but you've misaligned the expectation for the initial user. You typically get a lot of negative feedback. But if you release saying we're in beta, this is our problem that we're looking to solve and the community that we're looking to assist, we'd love your feedback. Please download it and be part of the community. And then we have a feedback portion in the app where anyone, if they experience a crash, have a suggestion of future features or anything, right, can simply click that dialog, send in our feedback, and it will populate on a blog. What we look to do with our clients is identify of that feedback what's the most valuable, either to increase awareness you know, drive user retention or of course monetize right in the early stages. And then we execute that work. But the biggest thing to remember is when that work is done, right, whether it's on a biweekly basis or a monthly basis, ensure that you have an email newsletter that goes out to all of your users, thanking them for the feedback, showing all the points that you covered that came in from them, right? In addition to maybe some points that you did on your own, thinking that that was the next value add for your product and including this community in the process of improving your product. That makes sense. All right, Brian, before you go, I want you, is there some common misconceptions that people have, like lay people who are, who just have this amazing idea and they're, they're ready to go and find a developer to, to make their dreams come true. What are the biggest misconceptions or basically lessons learned from, from people that have experienced this? Yeah. You know, I think there's the, one of the biggest lessons and a lot of, you know, what's coming in this new era of technology is a lot of non-technical co-founders or, you know, non-developer co-founders, yeah, yeah. right? Co-founder. So one of the biggest things that, you know, they see is we have two sides in our industry. We have design companies who build beautiful products and we have strong development companies that can obviously execute those products. The issue is, you know, the left side can't do the right and the right side can't do the left. Our company looks to bridge those gaps. So what happens with a lot of startups is if they get beautiful designs, they assume if they get a, what they perceive to be a good developer off Upwork based on feedback <laughs> or something like that, right? That that's going to be simple execution yep. where there's much more that goes in, right? So make sure before you go in that, One, you validated a tremendous amount of your assumptions because believe me, every idea that you have around your initial product is that it's only an assumption. Make sure you validate it and you'll save a lot of money. Two, understand technology at a high level. Technology is based on logic, right? Anyone can understand from a logical perspective how data is flowing. Anyone, when you log in on Facebook, you understand, you type in your email, your password, that's somehow getting validated and something's populating all of your friends, right? And making sure that it's the right profile so that when I log in, I don't get Lindsay's profile, right? So make sure you understand the basic logic of the core features of your product. And three, understand the difference between open sourced and closed source technologies, right? Like .NET very customizable, but on an initial MVP, if you're just looking to validate and get to market cheaply and quickly, you wouldn't want to use it because it will take a little bit longer Mm -hmm. to develop. Where on the other side, we have Node.js, which is open source. For those very familiar with WordPress, right? there's things like plugins available. So for a login process and enabling Facebook login, right? that's more of a click of a button. So these are factors that you really need to know before going into development because once you're in development, Making changes is like changing course of a cruise ship, 
anytime before that, you know, it's like driving a speedboat. And too often people get in and, you know, what the initial budget is after they make a few changes, it's not, it doesn't take too much to double or triple that depending on the mod, the level of modification. Yeah. And that, and that is something that I, that I did want to mention and feel free to correct me, but my experience, cause we do a fair amount of custom development here as well is it will probably take you longer and cost you more than you ever imagined. Yeah. And that's not the developer's fault. That's not Brian and I's fault. That's because you're going to get halfway through and you're going to have this feature that you think has to go in phase one, no matter what. And that's going to, as he said, turn the cruise ship a different direction. Yeah. No, it's 100% accurate, Lindsay. I'm sorry to break it to everybody in the audience. Pretty depressing, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Measure that's right. That's right. Wonderful. (laughs) Brian, you have been so amazing. Before you go, I'm going to turn the time back over to you. Tell um, the audience again how to find you and anything else you want them to know. Yeah, of course. So for us, you know, our website's Incipient Corp. That's I-N-C-I-P-I-E-N-T, corp.com. On all social, our handle's at Incipient Corp. So really straightforward there. If you guys have any questions, feel free to reach out. Myself or any member from our team love talking to anyone with new ideas or ways to implement technology in their life and would love to answer any questions that you have. Awesome. Uh, one more quick question before you go, Brian. So if I have an idea, will you give a free price estimate or how does how does pricing work for you guys? Yeah. Yeah. So for our dimensional design process where we help fully flesh out your product, um, after one like you know free 30-minute consultation, we can always give a range on that. And yep. then from there, we work with you to really drill into the features and we do everything on a fixed cost from there. So it's very easy to manage expectations. Makes sense. Makes sense. Awesome. Well, Brian, thank you for being such a great guest. Thank you for having me, Lindsay. It's been a pleasure. So welcome back from the interview. I re-listened to that interview and I felt like I was kind of negative in the whole world of creating your own web app. I hope from that interview you can at least glean the fact that it will probably be a more expensive and more time consuming than you ever dreamed. So before you dive into doing that, you do need to budget for that. And just know that is par for the course when it comes to creating a custom piece of software. Them's the breaks when it comes to creating software. It can be difficult. You'll change your mind halfway through. Um, but on the upside, you can create some really fabulous apps. And if you stick with the process, you can have something super successful. I've had many successful clients built many successful web apps. So it absolutely can be done. So if you like this episode of the Traffic and Leads podcast, you could totally leave me a review out on Facebook, on my Facebook page, or anywhere that you listen to this podcast. I'm sure appreciate it. Or if you have a friend, you can at least tell them about it. It'd be super cool. Thank you so much. Uh, until next time, this is One Click Lindsay with TrafficAndLeads.com, where the solution to your slow growth is just one click away. Oh,